Hello and welcome to another episode of EPRI Unplugged, a podcast of the Electric Power Research Institute. I'm Donald Cutler, the West Coast voice of the podcast. I'm joined again by EPRI Unplugged veteran Jessica Fox, our resident environmental scientist and all-around good person. Uh, you may remember her from our buzzing conversation about pollinators, the only episode of the show my four-year-old was excited to hear. Uh, but birds and the bees, flowers and trees aren't the only thing flowing through our guest's research portfolio, and I promise the puns are over now. <laughs> Jessica leads a diverse group of companies and farmers, governmental agencies, as well as a number of environmental groups uh, in the building of the world's largest water quality credit trading program. But that begs a ton of questions, and so we'll just get right into them. So thanks again, Jessica, for taking time out of your day from Saving the World uh, to talk to us again about the programs you're doing here at EPRI. You're welcome. So let's start really simple. What is a water quality credit? Is it similar to like a cap-and-trade program, or is it something altogether different? Right. Yeah, it's it's quite similar. If you've, if you've heard of carbon credit trading programs, it's very similar to that. Um, we fund farmers to install conservation practices on their on their land that we know have benefits to water. Um, mm -hmm. And the credit then represents the reduction of nutrient loading to the waterway. So each credit, specifically one credit is one pound of nitrogen or one pound of phosphorus um, that's prevented from entering the waterway. So this is really important because um, we know that that excess nutrient loading leads to issues, both local issues and regional issues. At the local level, um, it causes toxicity in the waterway. Something mm -hmm. called harmful algal blooms is something that comes up um, and has been um, a huge issue yeah. throughout the United States um, over the last few years, and it affects it, it affects people personally that they can't go out and, and, and romp around in the water to swim in the streams. Um, and actually, um, this past summer, uh, there's been a lot of coverage, media coverage about dogs dying mm -hmm. in the water. So the dog will go in, you think, oh, it's a beautiful day. Let's have a picnic. Right. Let's go swim. And the dog jumps in and within, um, within two hours, the dog has died. Wow. A nice, healthy family dog. So um, that's devastating right. at a personal level. And then at a, a broader regional level, all that nutrient loading all accumulates. And um, in the area where I'm working now in the Ohio River Basin, mm -hmm. um, that's part of a watershed that drains to the Gulf of Mexico. Right. And the Gulf of Mexico has um, one of the largest um, dead zones, <clears throat> ocean dead zones in the world. And meaning that no fish um, can survive in this dead zone. It's oxygen depleted. Mm -hmm. um, and this, the cause of that is this excess nutrient loading. So you have a dead zone in the Gulf of Mexico. Um, so, Which is a problem. Yeah. So for fishing, for the environment, for all of it. Right. So pretty much when you're saying these... Um, the, this runoff, is it is it mostly coming from farms and is it just uh, is it from fertilizers? What 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 is the what's the cause and, and I guess how how are we addressing that directly? Yeah, this is why the issue is so complicated and it's a lot harder to talk about than the prior podcast I did on pollinators with 
bees and buzzing and hamburgers and picnics and stuff like that, right? Yeah, we this, went from picnics to dead dogs. That's, that's kind of a <laughs> 180. It's kind of rough. Well, here, you know, so here you have your dead zone actually in the Gulf of Mexico, and it also is a dead zone in your living room yeah. when your dog dies and your dog is no longer in your dog bed. Wow. We really just got to yeah, hammer this one home. It's a little dark there. That's yeah, dark. Um, so, yeah. So the where does the nutrient loading coming from? So it comes from a whole host of sources, and that's why this is a very complex problem. One, to explain, and two, to try to solve. Mm-hmm. Um, so it comes from industrial sources, like power can come from power plants, from wastewater treatment plants, from the steel industry. Um, it also comes from people, you and me. We have our own nutrient and nitrogen footprint. Actually, reactive nitrogen is a huge ecological problem that we don't talk about very much. One, it's hard to understand. And right. two, what do we do about it? Exactly. Um, so we all have our own nitrogen footprint. So how you run your house, what you put on your lawn, do you have solar? Are you vegetarian? Do you eat meat? All of those things relate to your personal nitrogen footprint. So because of this sort of um, mix of all these sources, and you mentioned farmers, that's a big load, a big nutrient load into waterways. Um, And that's the load that we kind of focus on Mm -hmm. is there's great opportunity to work with farmers who Honestly, they they want to do these projects anyway. Right. And I've been on a, I've been basically on all the projects that we've contracted. We hold contracts with oh maybe uh, around seventy farmers in Ohio, Indiana, and Kentucky now mm-hmm. for conservation practices that range from five years to forty years. Wow. Really long term projects um, that they've committed to. And these guys, um, you know, they're the salt of the earth. They're farmers. They feed us, you know, and working with them to help them do conservation practices that really they want to do anyway. And they just need a little help, a little capital, a little money to get over to get over some financial barriers um, is meaningful socially. It's meaningful for the local economy and for these watersheds and the, for the species that use them. So that so that gets us really to my next question. What do these credits buy? And, you know, what are they exactly? Yeah. So then what do you do with the credit, right? right? So we've talked about the cause. What is the issue? What's the environment? Now I'm now we got to a credit. So great. So now we have a credit. So this is where part of the solution comes in right. is creating this marketplace where there's actually a demand for those conservation actions and for those nutrient credits that represent um, you know, basically ecosystem goodness, right? <laughs> um, so um, when your credit is there, who buys these things? Right. So actually, that's something that's been a huge turning point in the program this year is now you can buy, you can buy a credit with a credit card right now. You can go on, I'll show you the website. You can put it, it's $14 for one credit. You wow. get a credit certificate. You get a t-shirt. Wow, I love a t-shirt. Yeah, everybody loves t-shirts. Well, we'll definitely put that link in the uh, in the liner notes. Right, <laughs> and um, so great Christmas presents, right? right? So what's a meaningful Christmas present that's not another Lego kit for your kid? We have enough dang Legos in our houses, right? So what's a meaningful present? Well, here you can get a T-shirt or certificate, support a local landowner, um, and offset your own nitrogen footprint. Um, So that is something that's new, and you can even use a PayPal account. So one of the things that I sort of say is um, save, support a farmer, 
save your dog and end the dead zone in the Gulf of Mexico with a credit card. Wow, that's that, that just like rolls right off the tongue. <laughs> so essentially what you're doing is when you buy these credits, you're investing in these projects that are taking place on on the farms. Yeah. What what kind of projects are you doing? Like what what is it? Like are you, you know, are you right. digging holes? Are you going out there and hoe in the back? Actually, back yeah. I yeah, yeah, we're digging holes. We're so we're planting cover crop. So mm-hmm. cover crop is the is your crop between uh your harvest crop that kind of keeps the soil in the ground. It's nitrogen fixing, so it takes nitrogen out of the atmosphere, it puts in your soil. Mm-hmm. So then you don't have to use as much um, conventional fertilizer when you go out there. Mm-hmm. So it reduces runoff from your from your farm. Uh, we have milk house waste management systems. We installed a treatment wetland. So mm-hmm. instead of manure getting kind of hosed down and going right into your waterway now it goes through a treatment wetland gets processed um processed through Mm -hmm. um recently we added tree planting um so forest planting and we've installed you know hundreds of acres of forest on land i think the i ran the numbers it's like 700 acres or something like that of forest yeah it's a lot and those are 40-year agreements so this isn't just you know fly by night sort of situation there's real commitment from these landowners and through all those projects we've actually created a lot of credits yeah so you're not going to buy you know a hundred thousand credits yourself um but companies can purchase these credits to offset to um, offset even for permit compliance obligations. It's approved under the um, Clean Water Act to use these credits for permit compliance obligations. Um, And further from that, the area that we've been breaking through and making a lot of inroads into is um, these credits are, are, I call them quantified conservation for meeting your corporate sustainability goals. Yeah, so can you talk a little bit more about that? Are you seeing lots of... uh Big corporations coming in to to either meet their uh, their regulatory obligations, or is it more companies coming in to hit their hit their sustainability goals? It's actually more on the voluntary sustainability wow. side. That's great. Yeah, um, and that you know the nexus between this program um, is interesting. I also um, led Upri's um, sustainability research area for about a decade, mm-hmm. um, which is now an extremely robust uh, research area, our sustainability interest group. Um, and so I kind of had some, uh, I knew the logic lines that like your chief sustainability officer needed to hear to make the business case yeah. for these voluntary investments, not required by law, they have real no obligation to do it. So why would they do it? Why would they put money into something that they don't have to do? Um, so I spent a decade on the business case for that. And I understand kind of that lingo. When you yeah. walk into the boardroom, what do they need to hear? Yeah. I'll tell you one thing that on the on this, um, you know, you walk in and you're like, look, the safety moment, how we always have safety moments, don't slip, trip or fall. Yeah. Right. So the safety moment I have in walking into the Ohio River Basin is, don't go swimming. Yeah. Don't go into the water because it could really make you sick. Yeah. That's a very, um, you know, it's a very moving safety moment, right? Because we love our water. Yep. And if you think about water and what we drink, it's actually turns, if you try to mess with somebody's water that they're drinking and say, you have to drink top water or you have to drink bottled water, it's very personal. Yeah. Um, and so it, um, that, that kind of message can resonate even at the corporate level too. And they're using these credits to meet their voluntary sustainability goals. That's, that's very impressive. And I think it gets, uh, it gets to kind of a regional question. Are you seeing mostly companies that are in the Ohio 
River Basin involved in this, or is this going more global? Yeah, <laughs> that's a nice question. So, all right. So, um, so I wish that all the companies in the Ohio River Basin were involved in this. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> it is going. I mean, we, the credits are available on an international market now, and mm-hmm. we did a press release last June that um, announced a collaboration with a carbon credit seller, mm-hmm. and they've added our water quality credits to their international portfolio. It was a huge press release. Yeah, it was great news. Um, and that's the first time this has ever happened, ever, in right. a water quality treating program. So again, we're breaking ground on something that's never happened, right? Yep. Um, uh, but um, that is an issue in the program, is that we're just, uh, that cash credit cycle is just simply not turning over fast enough. Right. So it's not a fungible market, meaning it's not liquid. Yeah. Um, and that is what is encumbering this program and frankly, all other water quality trading programs in the world is that we need to be having more transactions that if it requires me to do a business trip and make the pitch for every single transaction, it's a lot of load. Right. Am I willing to do it? Of course, I'm willing to do it, but it's not efficient. Yeah. And um, that is that's kind of where we are in the program is that we've we've demonstrated that we can overcome lots of hurdles, Mm -hmm. you know, lots of lots and lots of hurdles. I can move money from a big corporate um, uh, organization all the way to a small local farmer. I have all the contract language, all the audits and everything, but we have to sell the credits and. Um, that's what we're focused on right now and will be focused on for the next few years. Um, our inventory of credits is really solid. Yeah. And actually, because of that really heavy inventory of credits that we have, it's creating whole new opportunities to work with impact investors. Their minimum for impact investors is $10 million. Minimum. Yeah. That's, you know, investment. It's a lot of money. It's a lot. Is it? Is it a lot, lot? Well, no, it's not a lot, lot. A lot Everything's lot, relative, right? right? <laughs> so, you know, we were not at the space that we could absorb 10, 20, 30 million dollars into this program, you you know, five years ago, but we are now. Right. We can absorb that and we can process it and we can do important good things with that money now. Um, and that's where we are, is that yeah. we've grown to the place of being able to take in that amount of capital um, and and really turn it around and do good things with it. So that's what we're working on now is, um, is looking at credit sales. And in this area of the country, you've got Walmart, Eli Lilly, the limited brands, limited, that's Gap, Old Navy, Mm -hmm. uh, Bourbon, all bourbon, bourbon. Kentucky, right? I'm a fan. Yeah. Well, I'm not. I hate bourbon. Uh However, (laughs) uh, I'm willing to work with the bourbon. and (laughs) I'll drink it for you. Okay. I'll give it to you. Sounds sounds good. (laughs) So We could um, have a very interesting podcast episode about that. (laughs) <laughs> and the, actually, the intersection of bourbon to water quality is really unique. So, and beer, all the spirits. Honestly, yeah. we actually calculated how many credits you you should buy to offset your beer consumption the next time you go to a football game. Oh wow! Yeah, and there's, you can calculate that. That's your nitrogen footprint That's because cool. you roll all the way back to your farm and your barrels of barley and malt. Wow! And I know how much nitrogen that um, that that is. And how many bottles of beer it relates to. So these are things that you can calculate. So what you're saying is I should log on pretty soon and, and buy a few credits. Yeah, you gotta <laughs> you gotta offset your footprint. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, how did EPRI get involved in this? I mean, EPRI is, is the Electric Power Research Institute, and this is about water. Um, you know, I, there's clear connections, but you know, how did how did we start? Yeah. So, I mean, the original start on this 
was that um, power companies were facing um, more stringent uh, permit discharge limits on their for their water permits. So how much nitrogen and phosphorus were they discharging out of their power plants? Mm -hmm. Power plants, um, coal-fired power plants in particular, uh, have nitrogen. So your nitrogen, if you're burning coal, your nitrogen goes out your stack and burns in your stack. It goes out into the atmosphere. Mm -hmm. But then regulations came through Clean Air Act to install scrubbers. Mm -hmm. So you have to install, install scrubbers on your stack. And that gets kind of washed down through this um, process uh, where ammonia is a catalyst and part of this process to take nitrogen out of the atmosphere. The nitrogen doesn't just disappear, though. Right. It moves. And where does it go? It goes into the water. Right. There you go. So things just don't disappear. They're going somewhere. And um, the concern was under the Clean Water Act, those permits were going to get tighter and ratchet down more and more. And they needed to have cost effective compliance options. And water quality trading was one of these options that's mm -hmm. um, legal and all of that, obviously. Actually, um, US EPA is doing um, a, an enormous amount of work right now to reinvigorate water quality trading under the current administration. Mm -hmm. um, so kind of that's how it all got started was cost effective compliance. But the way it's evolved and emerged and grown is um, a lot more interesting actually yeah. into this corporate sustainability uh, real uplift, ecological uplift opportunity space that I think all of us as a project team, this project team on this on the Ohio Basin Water Quality Trading Project is world renowned. Yeah. Our lawyer has been recognized as one of the top lawyers by U.S. News and World Report for like five years running. It's always good to have a good lawyer. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, and others on the team are just, it's just a rock star team. I'm so proud to be part of this team. It's really, really a good one. Excellent. So, so yeah. I, I guess, are we making money on it or is it all just going back to the program? I mean, yeah. you getting a cut? I mean, how's this going down? Yeah, right. Yeah, that'd be great. No. So, EPRI is a nonprofit research institute. So, we, we're not taking any profit. And honestly, on this project, um, it has actually been because of EPRI that we've been able to get this far. Mm -hmm. um, EPRI's just been a phenomenal organization to backstop this and lead it because we have stability. And our own lawyer at EPRI is awesome. Our CFO is incredible. We really lean in on innovation. Um, and no, we're not making money. And in fact, you know, uh, the money that we bring in, it all gets moved back into the program and moved back out to landowners and farmers. So when I sell a credit, the money is moving back to new conservation on the ground. So moving forward, this seems to be kind of a, a global responsibility that we need to take a look at. It's not just the electric power industry. It's not just farmers. It's not just uh, you know football fans drinking beer. Um, what do we all need to do to make sure that water quality trading programs flourish, but also their goals are attained? Right. Yeah, I think, you know, going from where we are now, um, as you kind of referenced, that there's a role for everybody in this program to support the program and and um, and help it be successful and also think about what your own responsibility is to the watershed and ecosystem. So everybody from your daughter can participate in mm -hmm. terms of purchasing credits and running around with a T-shirt all the way up to your corporate um, sustainability buyer that maybe wants to offset all of their water impacts at a much um, at a much larger scale. Mm -hmm. And the credits are even purchasable now on an international scale. Everybody has a, con 
a connection to water <clears throat> and this area of the United States. If you drink milk, you eat beef, you shop at Walmart, the Old Navy, the Gap, the Limited, you drink bourbon. You drink bourbon. Yeah. Um, uh, these are all connections uh, uniquely to the Ohio River Basin. And so um, if you think that you don't have a footprint here, you probably do. Yeah. And, um, and now this program is, it's not just that we're identifying a problem uh, through research. We have created a solution to a very difficult problem um, through the establishment of this that uh, this program that you know won the United States Water Prize. Yeah. I mean, it's a recognized, reputable program. So we're really proud of it, and I think that's that's kind of the future that everybody can participate and jump in. So we all have we have a role to play. We have we have a way to make a difference, and that I think is 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 a message of hope in in a time where you don't get a lot of that. So. Thank you very much. A great way to finish this off. Uh, there'll be more information in our in our liner notes about the website, so that you and your kids can purchase a few of these uh, these credits over the holiday season, or for birthdays, anniversaries, you know, pretty much anything. Uh, so, thank you very much, Jessica. Thank you to the entire Epri Unplugged team. Make sure that you're subscribing on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And until next time, we are shaping the future of electricity.